Alright, welcome back to the Gridiron Show, and this is the last time that I get to be on a Zoom call with these fine gentlemen without there being actual regular season, real, tangible NFL football, and I you can't wait. You're Gridiron Season 2 preview tomorrow night. <laughs> you're not no. to that party. <laughs> oh, what? Hey? <laughs> uh, it, it's Monday, and we are three... Days, nights away from the new season getting underway when the Los Angeles Rams take on the Buffalo Bills at SoFi Stadium to kick off the 2022 NFL season. I'm Will Gavin. Simon Clancy, features editor for Gridiron, is with me. Si, how are you doing, brother? Good, Will. How are you? Yeah, I mean, your season as a big college guy has already started and you've already had a pretty topsy-turvy roller coaster of a weekend. So do you feel a little more mentally prepared for this whole thing? A bit energized by what happened at the weekend and last night with Florida State and LSU, one of the great endings of this or any season, in fact. But yeah, it's been um, it's been an exciting start. So I can't wait for Thursday night. We have been tasked with, and this is probably I don't, I can't tell if we're two of the best people or two of the worst people to be doing this particular podcast because <clears throat> I believe us to be both be relatively measured and intelligent human beings. At least one of us is, and uh, we're I being mean, come on, mate. I'm not. I'm not that bad. <laughs> Uh, we're being asked to do our season predictions, our bold predictions, our division winners to run through it all to pick who we think is going to go to the playoffs. This is basically that podcast or that article that you do at the start of the year that's purely there for people to reference how wrong you were come the end of the season when there's some massive, amazing surprise package who uh, just dominates in a way nobody expected to. I mean, how many people had the Bengals going to the Super Bowl last season? How many, many. so-called experts that we like to probably consider ourselves amongst actually picked that last year, really? I mean, I saw Peter King's column this morning, and he's picked the Super Bowl winner every year for the past four years in his preseason column. I I can barely pick a division winner, let alone the the right Super Bowl winner. I mean, what's that all about? It's frustrating because I like to think that uh, Peter King has gradually over the years gotten more and more out of touch, but clearly that's not the case. Yeah, it's sickening, really, isn't it? Ah, oh, devastating. Well, I bet he didn't pick the Bengals as the team they were facing, so that's he fine. Didn't. We'll build up to our Super Bowl pick. Um, we're going to run through uh, in, I guess, no particular order, but I think it'd be nice to kind of go through and pick who we think are going to be our kind of surprise teams, our bold predictions. Let's start. Keep it simple to start off with. Let's take our division winners for each division. We'll run through the AFC first, and uh, we'll start tough. AFC North. Who have you got, Simon? Uh, I think the Ravens are going to win that division, actually. I think Lamar's got a lot to prove in terms of, you know, the contract situation is still out there. If everybody's back healthy, Ronnie Stanley, the running backs, obviously, I like what Isaiah likely did in uh, preseason in terms of just flexing with a uh, double tight end set with Mark Andrews. Defensively, they look good. Um, so, yeah, I think the Ravens might just sneak up. I don't uh, I, I don't foresee the Steelers doing anything because of the quarterback flux. Same with the Browns. Um, uh, you're not going to win many, many games with Jacoby Brissett. And, and the Bengals are, are going to still be a really good team. I just think the Ravens might just have enough, a bit more experience maybe, just to, to get over the line there. I have also taken the Ravens. I do have more question marks, I think, particularly on the offensive side. Uh, than you do it. I think if Isaiah likely proves to be a starting player who can play in those two tight end sets that they do love to run, then that's big for them because they do have a lot of other question marks 
at the receiver position. The running backs, you've got J.K. Dobbins coming off the injury. You've got guys like Kenyon Drake coming in. What kind of impact can he make? Uh, and you've got some changes on the line as well in addition to that. You know, Morgan Moses coming in at right tackle, a rookie in at centre as much as people seem to love what Tyler Linderbaum does. So I kind of have more questions on the offensive side of the ball. I do feel like Lamar Jackson's a guy that can carry a team at any point. But what I do love is their secondary. I think that the defence will be... I, I, improved on last year, healthy compared to last year. If the coaching is there... With the shambles that is the Browns, with the Bengals taking a comparative step back, I don't think it is a step back for them to, you know, win ten games and get a wild card spot this year. That's, you know, that's about the team that they should have been last year, and they just went on this miraculous run. And the Steelers, like you say, I, Mike Tomlin's the only thing that makes me question with the Steelers, but I just think there's too much change. They might actually have to have a season influx. This I worry year. about. I worry about what happens to them if they if they fall behind. They're not a come from behind team, as has been shown over the years. And you know that that receiving core, as you touched on. But I, I'm looking for that development in guys like Tylen Wallace, in guys like Rashad Bateman. James Prochet made the team. Obviously, a really guy. I really liked him at SMU. And I just think, like I said, defensively, you know, Adafi Owe, I, I think could be uh, primed for a breakout year. And that secondary is really, really good. If you look at you know Carl Fuller, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Marcus Williams. You know, Jaden Armour Davis at Alabama, who I thought if he'd stayed in college would have, would have been a first-round pick this year. Carl Hamilton, who obviously was a first-round pick. So there's so much talent there in that secondary. I just don't think they can get behind. They have to, you know, establish the run, ball control, the things that we know that Baltimore do. Because they're falling two touchdowns behind. You don't necessarily have the, the, the horses to be able to get into a shootout, which is the big issue that I think they've had over the last few years. Who do you like in the AFC East? Any one of them in Buffalo? I, I mean, I think the Bills will win the AFC. So I, I do think the Dolphins will be really good. Um, and I think it will be an interesting marker as to what happens in those first four games, you know, at home to New England. And then, you know, you've got three really big games, Baltimore on the road, Buffalo at home, and then Cincinnati on a short week on Thursday night on the road on national television. Lots of people saying, oh, the Dolphins will be one and three coming out of that. I think if they can be anything other than, you know, if they can be two and two, and two or even better, uh, I think look out. Uh, it's a really interesting preseason that they've had. They've added some really the, what the Dolphins have done with Mel, with Melvin Ingram and with Trey Flowers is they've added really interesting talent that you sort of see veteran pickups that smart teams do before the start of seasons. It wasn't like they needed help necessarily. It's just that they've added into the mix some veteran talent guys that can come in that like have the sort of impact that Von Miller had for the Rams down the stretch. I'm not saying that they, you know Melvin Ingram is going to come in and have eight or ten sacks, but just that sort of impact late in games, especially at home when it's really hot. Um, and I think the offense is going to be really, really electric. And um, I think people will be surprised at what the Dolphins do. My semi-bold prediction for this division, and I've got the, Dolph- the Dolphins as a as a wild card team in the AFC, which in a strong conference is mm. actually going to be pretty tough this year. My semi-bold prediction for this division is that the Patriots run the Jets for the fourth spot. Yeah, Honestly, with what's happened with their offensive line this year, and I, I, the defense hasn't got quicker, which is what it desperately needed to do, not markedly so. The Jets have improved. I, I have concerns over the fact that, all right, Zach Wilson might be back by week two, week three, week four, but without a preseason, what's he actually going to look like? But they've made enough improvements on defense that they are looking a little bit saucy, pun entirely intended. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I like them for kind of five, six, seven wins this year. And 
I think the Patriots won't be much more than that. They've got lots of young pieces as well, young players in in key and interesting positions. I think the offensive line is very good. I think obviously Quinn and Williams is bound to ha- have a good year. You, you look at someone like Sauce Gardner, who's got the, the you know he's going to have to go up against some quality receivers, but I think he's got the talent to do it. Um, I, I think the Jets are an interesting side who will kind of like you say, I think win six or seven games. You know, uh, the kid out of Iowa State, the running back Brees Hall, I think he's primed for a good year, especially behind that line, Zach. Um, uh, the kid from Ohio State, uh, Garrett Wilson, I think he will play very well. Um, but they do need Zach Wilson back because obviously you don't, you know, Joe Flacco is only going to carry you so far in that in that system. And New England, I just, you know, I, I think it's been um, one of the, it's almost a 30 for 30 in the off season that they've had in terms of, you know, obviously Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, but the way that it's been handled, especially with a second-year quarterback, you know, somebody that needed some solidity, that needed an offensive coach to come in and help him make that leap from year one to year two. And all that's happened is he's had Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, which is kind of not what you need. They've moved to that wide zone running scheme, which seems bizarre because, A, the offensive line was a strength. B, the running game was a strength with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. They drafted Pierre Strong, the kid out of North Dakota State, uh, South Dakota State, who's who's a really good player. And I just didn't see the need to do that. You know, that kind of power running game with Stevenson and Harris taking it in turns to run it down your throat. Get those tight ends back working, Henry and Johnny Smith. And and it's just been a disaster. Um, it's really been a disaster. Nothing's worked. I saw that Mac Jones talked the other day about how they've, they've ironed out some of the issues. But uh, his numbers in the preseason were really poor in terms of them being able to move the ball. It wasn't very good. And defensively, like you say, it just, they just look a little bit slow. Christian Barmoth's been the star of camp, but even the secondary, you know, when, when you're talking about Jalen Mills as a kind of a, yeah, he's the guy. I mean, that's, you know, you're in trouble if Jalen Mills is the guy. I, I just don't, I just don't foresee a particularly good season. And I think it's, you know, this is year after year of really bad Patriot drafts that are coming back to bite them on the backside. And, you know, when you're you're giving up on guys as they have done over the year, whether that's Nikhil Harry or Joe Juan Williams, or year after year, early picks that just haven't panned out. It, it, sooner or later, that 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 comes back calling. Um, uh, my kind of other slightly boldish prediction uh, is Source Gardner will be Defensive Rookie of the Year, purely because not only do I think he's an excellent player, but I think it's kind of ignored that, well, I mean, you've got Mac Jones and you know, Tua both finished with double-digit picks last season. But Josh Allen had the third most interceptions in the NFL mm-hmm. last year. Everyone was so excited about how he had the improved accuracy and everything. But that is a, a conference that likes to turn the ball over. And I think he could end up making enough splashy plays to to nab that title. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm slightly less excited, maybe, about the AFC South. I'm saving the West for last. Uh, I had a, a pre-season, this goes all the way back to the draft, uh, little side bet with a pal of mine who's a Colts fan who was really unhappy with the business they'd done in the off-season, barring the quarterback position, hated that they didn't get a left tackle, hated that they didn't improve at receiver or tight end, just really frustrated by the whole thing. Bet me that they wouldn't go to the playoffs. Now... With Landry going down now for the Titans as well, I really fear for what their season's going to look like this year. Change of the quarterback position, everything else. For me, it feels like the Colts' division to lose at this point. Yeah, I'd agree 100%. I mean, when you could add Matt... Maybe the Jags being spicy? Maybe, but I just... I I think think the Colts are too good. I think you just look at... You know, they've got key talent at at important positions. I think they've added really well. I, I don't agree with your friend. You know, you get to add Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is a monster upgrade over Carson Wentz. You get to add Alec Pierce. You know, Pierce had a great camp. You know, line him up. 
with Michael Pittman and with, with Des Patman and Paris Campbell, if he's healthy, you've got decent tight ends. I don't mind the line, uh, you know, and they clearly made a decision on Eric Fisher and felt more comfortable going in a different direction, but you're still returning, you know, Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly. Do you know what I mean? You're still returning those guys defensively. You know, you've added a Yannick and Gakway to a Quitty Pay and a, and a Day Odi Yingbo, I think is going to have a really good year. DeForest Buckner is still there, you know, defensively at the, at the second level with, with Shaq Leonard and, and Okariki. And, and the secondary is some really good players. Julian Blackman's a really good player. You know, they've added Stefan Gilmore. Kenny Moore is a really good player. You know, so I think, you know, across the board, this is a really solid team. I think Jacksonville will will make a little bit of impact. I think Tennessee will be probably be the team to fall away. Um, and also intrigued by what the Texans do, because I do like Davis Mills. And I think that, you know, uh, it's an important year for him. It'll be an interesting year to see how he develops. Um, you know, you see Kellermon getting getting booted last week. Kellermon was taking a pick before Davis Mills and, and Mills had a really solid season last year. So can he build on that and and really develop? So the AFC West, uh, a division which a lot of people think is going to make history this year. Every team finishing above 500. Now, admittedly, that's history that is much easier to make now that you can go nine and eight instead of eight and eight. And there are a bunch of seasons where the fourth place team did go eight and eight in a single division. But the strengthening across the board, I think in Denver, the obvious thing being getting a quarterback finally, but also uh, from a coaching perspective, I like a lot of what they did. The Chargers went out and reacted to what everyone else was doing and went, fine, well, we're going to get a bookend pass rusher to be as good as the guy on the other side, and we're going to improve our secondary. So enjoy that. The Chiefs have still got Mahomes. The Chiefs have still got Andy Reid. The Chiefs have still got a lot of things that make them the team that have been to back-to-back-to-back AFC Championship games. And the Raiders, I mean, they were spicy last year, and I still think people expect them to be the same this year. Maybe they won't all go above 500, but I've been saying this all off-season. Slap every game on primetime for me. But I'm going to finally do it. Simon, I'm finally going to say it, that the injuries are going to purvey them, that Brandon Staley's performance is going to be high enough and of good enough quality, that Justin Herbert is just an absolute top-tier, best-in-the-NFL type talent, and the Chargers are finally going to win this division. Finally going to be AFC West champions. Yeah, it's interesting. Look, this is how I play the AFC West, right? I start off with the Chiefs are going to win the division. Yeah, they got Andy Reid coming back, Mahomes is coming back. You know, all the guys are coming back in terms of the, the those offensive weapons, except for Tyree Kill, and that's a massive except. And then you look at defense and all the guys, except for Tyree Matthew, and that's a big except. So you think, oh, maybe the Chiefs aren't going to win it, because how are they going to... So it's going to be the Broncos, right? Because they've got Russell Wilson, and they've got all these things, and they've got... And then you think, it's the Broncos, though. Are they really... You know, Javonte Williams is a you know, great running back, and defensively, Justin Simmons is a great, the best safety in the league, but... Are they going to, you know, what are the, it's the Raiders. It's got to be the Raiders, right? So I think it's going to be the Raiders. Okay. It's going to be the Raiders. Then you think, hmm, is it going to be the Raiders though? Because the Chargers are out there and they've got Justin Herbert, who, you know, is top three, top five quarterback and is entering into the realm of new contract is approaching, you know, for, for nobody's thrown more touchdowns. Nobody's thrown for more yards in their first two seasons than Justin Herbert has. So it's got to be the Chargers, right? And then you think, oh no, they've got Brandon Staley as their head coach back round to the Chiefs again. So I, I, I'm literally <laughs> on this kind of AFC West bicycle and I don't know what stop to get off that. Um, I, I, take, I, I, I think the Russell Wilson thing for me is as interesting as any. And you know, anyone who's listened to this podcast before this year will know that there is a history of conversation around Russell Wilson, which may be or may not be biased around my support of a team within the division when he was a Seattle Seahawk. 
But you hated him, Will. Just be honest. It's <laughs> so cheesy. Such a cheesy man. Um, there are limitations to his game in that he holds onto the ball for very long. In that he doesn't throw over the middle particularly well. That he doesn't release the ball quickly. Like even with people want to compare him Not and really Aaron Rodgers underselling Russell Wilson, mate. No, 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 no. Right. I'm, I'm going to be clear on this. I just want to say these are the the things that people don't necessarily talk about. I still think he's an absolutely top-tier quarterback. My question mark is, how much of that was the scheme in Seattle? How much of that was the coaching in Seattle? How much of that was... And then Nathaniel Hackett comes in, and I'm doing the same thing you did, where I question myself with every turn. But Nathaniel Hackett comes in, and everyone wants to compare him to Aaron Rodgers because they throw a really nice deep ball, and they like to scramble a lot. But the other thing Aaron Rodgers can do is get the ball out quick when he needs to. And we've not seen a lot of that from Russell Wilson. But again, how much of that was Seattle? So I'm not saying Russell Wilson's going to be bad. I just think it's one of the biggest and most intriguing question marks for me coming into the season, is I want to see how good he is or isn't when given a new situation, a new line, new weapons, everything else. Because we can clearly see that he can elevate a team and he can go out and win games and he can make ridiculous throws that very few other people in the NFL can make. Are the problems, were they problems because of Seattle or were they problems partially because of Wilson? And that for me is the great thing in this division. I just think the Chargers and Chiefs are both going to be great. Barring injury, they're both going to be great teams. The Broncos sit anywhere between... 10 and 7, 11 and 6, down to a 7 and 9 type team to me, depending on what Russell Wilson does. I, I, I would say this about Russell Wilson and the Broncos, right? I, I think that Russell Wilson's body of work over the past 10, 12 years makes him one of the top three quarterbacks of that that, that decade, right? Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Yes, obviously Patrick Mahomes has been, but in terms of slightly younger, newer, I think in terms of what Wilson has done, I then think you have to look at the categorization of what he did it without, you know, not amazing targets at receiver, not a great offensive line. Right. You look at the four core key key cornerstones or core keenerstones um that the that you look for in football. Doesn't he right? doesn't he play for the Chargers? I think he does, yeah. I think he does. Brandon <laughs> Staley cut him, I think, the other day. Um uh, you're looking at corner uh, quarterback, right? You've obviously got a quarterback in Russell Wilson, you've got a Hall of Fame quarterback in Russell Wilson, left tackle. Right. You, you've got a really good left tackle in Garrett Bowles, who developed into one of the best left tackles in the NFL after a couple of rough seasons. Can he rush the passer? Right. You've got Bradley Chubb, okay, who, if he's healthy, could be really special. But you throw in Nick Benito, who I absolutely loved coming out of Oklahoma. You throw in Randy Gregory, who was an agent of chaos for the Dallas Cowboys. Can he stay, you know, off the field? Some of those issues, but you know, they can definitely rush the passer. Uh, can they play in the secondary? Well, they've got a really good young cornerback in Patrick Satan. They've got really they, they've got the best safety in the league in Justin Simmons. Caden Stearns played very well last year. They've got strong uh, special teams, great kicking game with, with McManus. So, yes, there are some issues around newness for Russell Wilson, but he's got what he didn't have in Denver, which is a great offensive line. He's got weapons, uh, not a great offensive line, a good offensive line. He's got weapons at the receiver position, Hamler, Judy, Sutton, Jalen Vigil. He's got a great running game, two-headed, three-headed running game. Throw Mike Boone in. He's got a three-headed running game, but definitely a two-headed running game with Melvin Gordon and Javonta Williams. Uh, I think that I, when we I... in the season and Russell Wilson is the MVP, we will say, how did we miss this in the preseason? I, I absolutely think that that is, that that is the ceiling. He could be that good. I also think that the line in Seattle was full of first and second round picks with a lot of talent. But they, they didn't did play, have a... They, didn't they did have a... That, that's but, the but, thing. But... 
how easy is it to play in front of a quarterback who does scramble off and who does get out of the pocket, who does... I'm I'm saying I'm blaming coaching more than talent, is my point. Rashad Penny looked like an absolute superstar for the last six, seven games of last year. Was that in there and we never saw it before? And you say about receivers, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, sure. it's like a one-two punch. But Unreal. historically, they were not great. And, and also, one of the great things I think... But then he's had his worst th- few seasons in Seattle in the last three seasons when he's had all that around him. But he also had the injury, don't forget. I mean, he was injured, took a lot, you know, never missed a single game. And I also think that... I also think that with Wilson... Like, I don't agree that, you know, he, it, one thing that I thought he did almost to the detriment of his ability was not bail the pocket. Like, he's such a good runner, but I don't think he bailed the pocket until absolutely necessary. I just think, I just think the league has got all these brand new shiny toys, you know, the, the, the Allens and the Herberts and the Burrows and the Mahoneses. And I just think, you know, forgot about Russ. I, I don't forget Russ. Don't, don't forget, forget Russ, you know. I think all right. People might be I, there's part of me now that he's out of the division that I do hope that for the sake of the quality of the league, I'd love to see him come in and have a stunning season there and turn the Broncos into a into a contender. I, there's a lot of Broncos fans out there I like, including the one who's currently sat silently on this call. All in all, I think there is every chance he's brilliant. I just have so many question marks over whether it was him or Seattle that was the problem in the last three years. Uh, I'm going to have to push you because you didn't give me an AFC West. Denver. So, uh, so you're saying Denver are going to win it. Yeah. So who are your three wildcard teams then? The Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Bengals. You don't think the Chiefs go to the playoffs? I mean, no. But I might change Ooh. my mind in 20 minutes. Yeah, no, but it's fair, but you've said it now. It's on record, and it <laughs> will go out at 9pm this evening. So tough. I have the Chargers winning the division. I have the Chiefs. And the Bengals as my nailed-on ones. And then I've got this Dolphins-Broncos split where they're the two teams I have the most question marks over, but the highest kind of... They've both got a high enough ceiling. They both can finish with a better record than either of those other two wildcard teams. It's just that consistency and that floor with all the question marks coming in, new coaches, new quarterback in one case. I'm landing on the Dolphins. I'm doing it. I'm landing on the Dolphins. The Dolphins' offense only has to be middle of the field, right? Because the defense is so good. And they've got a couple of players on that defense. And Javon Holland, the the free safety, and Jalen Phillips, the edge, who are going to be, who are primed for massive, like massive years. Holland was team captain already. He was voted team captain last week. He he leads all the team drills in terms of what the stretching and all that sort of stuff. He is an absolute monster. And Phillips might end up with 14 sacks this season because he's just been blowing people up. And, you know, and he's been going one-on-one with Teron Armstead. And he is that, you know, that iron sharpened iron thing. He has really been, he has been special in preseason and in in camp. So I would, um, that Dolphins defense and special teams are really good. And that, that offense doesn't have to be amazing. And I actually think it'll be pretty good. For it uh, for that to be a really good team, I know I should pick the Broncos. Uh, let's turn <laughs> our attention to the NFC. Uh, I kind of I didn't quite do uh, worst to first in terms of quality of divisions. I might try and do that here and start off with the NFC South. Uh, is there any? Well, I mean, there's obviously a world in which it's possible. I always hate that question, and yet I went to ask it. Matt Sherry, former editor of this uh, here magazine podcast and everything else, and now you know king of everything, ruler of all, fancies the Panthers to be a sneaky playoff team this year. Problem is, I like the Saints defense so much that I think they're the team who push the Buccaneers, particularly considering that they're the team who 
have beaten the Buccaneers so regularly of late. And Tom Brady has had nothing like his normal preseason, and they've got all the offensive line issues. I can definitely imagine Tampa Bay starting slow, in which case we might have a division on our hands where a lot of people don't want to predict that. Yeah, I, I, Matt loves um, Matt loves uh, Matt Rule as much as you hate Russell Wilson, so I can kind of see. But I used to love Matt Rule, and I've been talked out of it now. I, I like the performance of the last eighteen months or so. Um, I love he, Baker Mayfield, though. I'm I the one Baker. person on the Baker Mayfield train. I think so. He, um, he mentioned this to me on the phone the other day, so I, I knew that this was coming uh, about Carolina. So, um, and I do feel like Baker Mayfield's got a lot to prove. I just. I don't know, really. I mean, I think the Buccaneers are going to be good, but I I actually think, I just feel like their offensive line issues, you know, there's only so long that Tom Brady can be amazing. And, you know, he's 45, 46, and behind an offensive line that's lost. You know, if you look at the players that that they've lost, Alex Kappa, you know, you've lost the centre to to an ACL. You've lost the the guard to a a season-ending injury. Your Tristan Wirfs is banged up, might not play week one. You know, you're looking at Robert Hainsey as a you know a guard slash centre at Notre Dame playing centre last last season playing centre. It's you know that's an awful lot to to think about when you're going up against some of the you know you're going up against a Derek Brown and a Brian Burns within your division. You're going up against a you know all those really good players that, that the Saints have got on defence. You know Cam Jordan and you know Marcus Davenport and. Uh, that's a lot to ask of a of an inexperienced offensive line, and you know if, they, if Donovan Smith gets injured, then you know they could be in big trouble. Um, you know, you expect an awful lot from from um, Chris Godwin coming back off the ACL. So I don't know. I think the Saints, if you know, that I'm not a massive Dennis Allen fan, but I think that or a James Winston fan necessarily, but I think the transition will be okay. And I think there's a lot of star power on that offense, especially that receiving core, which looked pretty average at the back end of last season but all of a sudden you're getting three new players really I mean you know Michael Thomas having been out for almost two years you know Chris Alave who's such a smooth receiver out of an NFL system at Ohio State and Jarvis Landry as a slot receiver will end up catching 65-70 balls all of a sudden you know if Jameis is okay then yes there's questions obviously you're replacing Teron Armstead um, all those things um, and your rookie left tackle got got hurt and will we'll miss the start of the season but defensively that's a pretty good unit um, you know, last time I looked, Demario Davis was really good. Marshawn Lattimore was really good. They got Ty Matthew. Um, you know, there's some um, there's some good players there. Von Bell. They, they really love Paulson Adebo, who's the kid out of Stanford, who, who they sort of tucked away last year. Didn't really play a lot, but they think he's going to be a stud. So it'll be interesting to see. I think the Saints might win that division. The interesting one for me is on that offensive side of the world. I, I trust the defense almost entirely against the the schedule they've got as well, but. You know, there's a lot of ifs. If Michael Thomas is healthy and looks anything like the Michael Thomas of the past. If Alvin Kamara, similarly, is healthy and anything like the Alvin Kamara of the past. If Chris Olave makes the transition quickly to the NFL. If Jameis Winston doesn't throw 30 interceptions this year. I feel like if two of those four at least land then they're a playoff team and maybe a division winner as well. And I think it's not to ignore guys like Marcus Calloway, who was the hot target coming into last year, Trekon Smith, who I think is very good as a as a fourth option as well. They've got so many options there. Taysom Hill's bound to play at tight end as well at some point. So, uh, yeah, I really like the Saints this year outside of, you mentioned him already, Dennis Allen. I kind of feel like I want to pick them for the division, but I kind of feel like they either win the division or they miss out on the playoffs entirely. It feels like it's one or t'other with them 
for me right now. Um, oh, am I going to do it? Kind of feel like it's safer to go for the Buccaneers, but I'll tell you one thing: it's safe. not going to be as the Falcons, mate, because that loss <laughs> is so bad. It's one I of the feel so, I've seen in a long time. I feel genuinely bad for Falcons fans, um, and I don't buy into it being the Panthers either. Even though people want to think that they're getting a little bit hot on offense and they've you know made some trades, they've got some receivers. I'm not buying it. I'm like a six-seven win team. Falcons I think the interesting thing about the Saints is that if it doesn't go well with Jameis. They've got a, a solid insurance policy in Andy Dalton, you know, and nobody wants to go into a season with Andy Dalton as their starting quarterback. But coming off the bench to spell an injured player or whatever—that that's not a bad option to have. You know, that's somebody that can steady the ship and can move ball, move teams up and down the field. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying he's, you know, Bobby A. Bear or Drew Brees or whoever, but he is—he's good enough to win games in the NFL. All right, I'm doing it. The Saints are going to the playoffs. God damn it. <laughs> he talked me into it, and now I'm going to live on that decision all year long. Uh, NFC East. Make mm. a case for the Cowboys for me, Simon, because I'm really feeling the Eagles, and I, I hate that I'm feeling the Eagles. It doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, I don't really want to make a case for the Cowboys, Will, if I'm completely honest, because um, <laughs> I think they're going to struggle. Um, you know, I, I think it's an ageing roster in certain key positions like you look at running back for example I don't think there's you can't tell me that that Ezekiel Elliott is now a better player than Tony Pollard for example you know I look at that receiver group and I think you know yes C.D. Lamb is there um, but obviously James Washington injured they lost Amari Cooper you know Michael Gallup is still there but you know they're breaking a lot of new talent at that at that position offensive line there's question marks obviously with Tyron Smith going down you know they're going to play Tyler Smith at you know the rookie at, at left tackle defensively they've lost some you know they've lost some talent and you know for all the excellent uh drive stopping play that Trayvon Diggs had last year you know unless Trayvon Diggs is getting his hands on a sort of JC Jackson Xavier Howard type number of balls every season the difference between those guys and Trayvon Diggs is that they are lockdown corners and Trayvon Diggs is not at all. Um, and so I think if he's not getting those interceptions, I think people will begin, you know, the, sort of the ball watchers will begin to see exactly what Trayvon Diggs is. Um, I think it's quite a tough division for them. I think the Giants will be better, actually. Um, I think Washington, you know, will be okay. I, I don't believe in Carson Wentz, but I think that's not a bad team. I think they've got some talent at, at wide receiver. Um, I think the Brian Robinson story is amazing. If he can come back and, and healthy, um, with some talent on defense, but for me, I think the Eagles are the are the quality of that of that division, and actually, you know, might be upper echelon if Jalen Hurts is average to a you know to above average. Really, I think he's a, if he's an above average quarterback this season, the Eagles will make a serious run. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely concur. The the other thing with the Cowboys for me is Micah Parsons, who obviously was sensational last year and clearly yeah. just insanely talented. Having Dan Quinn stick around is very important for him, but losing the other talent they've lost on that side of the ball, particularly on the defensive line, I get worried that they start to pigeonhole him into being a pass rusher instead of being a use him all over the formation, use him on stunts, you know, bring him to blitz, put him in coverage, do all those multitude of things. Not only is fantastic to have a player who's that multiple, but also the fact that it just means offences can't plan for him. And I'm worried they're going to just line him up on the other side of Demarcus Lawrence and try and play him that way, and I don't think he's that player. 
I worry that they get scared with him because they've lost too much other talent on that line. Um, there's a few young guys there who might make a, yeah, or we might suddenly see the Dante Fowler comeback here, or Sam Williams might make a real impact. Sam, Sam Williams is a really good player. I mean, off-field issues were the reason that kept him out of the first round. Sam Williams is a really good player. Maybe that's the solution then, and maybe we see another defensive rookie of the year in in Dallas. But I, yeah, I do. I really like the Eagles this year. I, I obviously, Jay. I think Jay. The thing is, Jalen Hurts. I think a lot of people looked at him as being a a fantasy quarterback, but not a, a NFL quarterback because he had the running and he got the points and he did all of that stuff. But they went out and they won games in the second half of the season. They won games because of him. And he's now got better talent around him in every facet, pretty much. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I just think... Um, he, he, uh, he could have 4,000 passing yards this year and then 1,000 on the ground and just be brilliant. Yeah. I, I, and I just look at, like, for example, the, the signing the other day of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I think, is just a perfect a trade for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. It's such a perfect... Well, how winning. are they letting him go for... I get that he's in a contract year, but that is... I know. Mental. I mean, just, if he's that, if you keep him and let him go for free at the end of the year, you get a third round compensatory. Yeah, I mean that. What is that decision? Kind of, I know that weak side sort of carry slot safety is such a huge role in in Jonathan Gannon's sort of quarters based defense. A lot of one hole man to man responsibilities. He just fits that so well. I think people need you know the NFL has evolved so much. I think people just need to stop thinking in terms of safeties as free and strong you know most of them are just hybrid slot defenders now and they're responsible for you know the inside on the back side of uh, of formations but there's so much to the position that it's so key to to these new defenses in both you know run and pass and what you see with with a guy like Dan Johnson I talked about Javon Holland earlier on exactly the same kind of guy you are carrying somebody vertically most of the time and it takes real coverage ability to either pass it off to the deep safety or just continue down the field in what is essentially man coverage. And that's what he can do. He's a very, very good slot defender. And um, I mean, it was absolute daylight robbery what they got for him. So I think that's a really integral signing for that defense. All right. NFC North. I think we're both going Packers, right? Yes, mate. Absolutely. Are the, are the Vikings a wildcard team? Um, not for me, Clive. Interesting. Okay. So I, I, I've had this... Recent, like, people starting to get a little bit hot on Minnesota. People acting like, I mean, okay, it's a weak division. Detroit, uh, people are going to love them off the back of hard knocks, and there's a lot to love about them. Coaching Jamal Williams, you know, outside of the quarterback, they have improved dramatically, got a good line and everything else, and they could end up being one of those teams who sits in and around the kind of anywhere from five to eight wins and, and has an okay season. The Bears are terrible. I'm sorry, Chicago Bears fans, but if, if, the, if, if the Falcons didn't exist, you'd be the worst team in the NFC. The, the Bears and Falcons would be the ultimate pick. toilet bowl. <laughs> mm. But I have seen this kind of hotting up of people from Minnesota, loving Kevin O'Connell, uh, you know, Irv Smith back, great receivers, good running backs. I'm trying to justify what they're telling me. Sure. I just don't see it on the defensive side. I, I get that they brought in some great young talent and they spent, what, I think five out of six rounds worth of draft picks on defensive players. And some of those are really good as well, but it feels like it's a rebuild that's going to take a couple of years, not just hit the ground running now. But also they've just got rid of so many of those players from the Rick Spielman era. You know, so many of those draft picks, it's just like, you know, that's hard to sustain in a team where you're trying to win a division. You know, I, I, like you, I think, you know, 
yep, Kirk Cousins is, you know, is we talked about him on the on the pod a few weeks ago, but you know, he's underrated in turning the eyes of you know most fans. I think he's better than what most fans think he is. You know, they've got good running backs. You add in Ty Chandler, but you know, Dalvin Cook obviously, Alexander Madison's a really good player, receiver really good. If Thielen is great, Justin Jefferson's an, an absolute stud. Can Irv Smith stay healthy? Decent offensive line, but then you just think, you know, defensively, it's you know. Yes, Daniel Hunter's a good player. Yes, Eric Kendricks is a great player. Yes, Darius Smith has still got a load of juice in him. There's an awful lot of expectation in that secondary on two really young players, Lewis Sine of or Lewis Seen of Georgia and Andrew Booth Jr. of Clemson. That's a lot of pressure on them because essentially it's the same. You know, it's still Cam Danzler, it's still Chris Boyd, it's still Chandon Sullivan, Pat Peterson, obviously still there. A lot of pressure on Harrison Smith. I just don't trust. I just don't trust the Vikings on defense to be able to match up. I, I just don't think they're good enough to match up with the Packers blow for blow. I, I just think the Packers are a significantly better team. And I think the Packers defense is one of the, you know, borderline elite defensive units in the NFL. So, um, and, and I, what I think about the Packers. <laughs> go on, sorry, Will. I was just starting to realise this was meant to be a fun season preview and we've ended up going deep diving on every division instead, yeah, which I've enjoyed thoroughly. But uh... <laughs> I, I think the thing about the Packers, though, to, to, to just to be serious for a sec and then get just be silly, um, is that uh, everybody's talking about what a massive loss Devontae Adams is. And it obviously is. You don't lose the best receiver in the NFL and not be an issue. But actually what I think it will do is that it will almost make Aaron Rodgers, you know, he was so dependent upon upon Devontae Adams. You know, Alan Lazard would still be running in that 49ers game if he'd thrown Tim over the middle on that critical third down play at the end where instead of where he threw to, to Adams in, in triple coverage. You know, Romeo Dobbs has had a great preseason. They're very high, obviously, on the young guys, uh, Samori Toure and Christian Watson. Watson obviously held up a little bit in camp with with an injury. Randall Cobb is back. Lazard is back. Sammy Watkins is there. Amari Rogers looks significantly better and will be used a bit like Ty Montgomery used to be used. A bit of a receiver, a bit of a some jet motions. will run out the backfield. Double-headed run game is an absolute monster. I think both of them will end up with like 50 catches. Tight ends, Tonyan coming back. Offensive lines, just packed full of studs. And then just defensively. You know, Devontae Wyatt and and Quay Walker, who are the two first round picks, barely got a look in in camp, in in preseason and in camp because they, you know, you've got guys like Kenny Clark and you know Devondre Campbell, who's an All Pro. You know, Rashan Gary, who looks like he'll be an absolute. You know, this is the, the the burst out. I mean, if last year wasn't the burst out year, this is the burst out year. You know, Preston Smith comes back, and then the secondary. You know, Eric Stokes was brilliant as a rookie last year. Jair Alexander is back, and he's a top three, top five corner in the league. Rizal Douglas was was sensational when they signed in mid-season. Safeties are good, you know, and they hired, their biggest problem was the was the special teams and they hired, you know, a guy who I thought was pretty unlucky to get the can from the Raiders, Rich Versaccia, highest special teams um, payment of all time in terms of his contract. And he's come in and, you know, completely revolutionised that unit. I think the Packers are are as good a team as in a, in a not great NFC this year. I think they could be primed for a run Well, you know what's bound to happen is that they will face the 49ers in the postseason and lose in horrible fashion because yeah, that's just what they do. Uh, <laughs> and on that point, the NFC West, where the Arizona Cardinals are going to finish last, and I can't. You wait. think? I don't think. I, I think the Seahawks are probably right. too bad with Geno and with everything else going on. But I really think the Cardinals are in trouble this year. I really think that with. DeAndre Hopkins out for the first eight games with a coach who 
schemes brilliantly in the off-season, then has no idea how to adjust mid-season, as those numbers keep showing. They make for funny tweets, yes, but they also do show a problem with coaching. Their offense fell apart when DeAndre Hopkins was gone last year. This year, they don't have him for the first half of the year, and the scheming will be good enough, but the rest of it won't be good enough. And then he'll come back, but by that point, everyone will have basically figured them out. I think they could absolutely fall off a cliff this year. Too much reliance on old players on defense, too much reliance on name brand instead of actual talent, not great drafting. I don't think the Cardinals are going to be good this year at all. Seattle are very much in a rebuild. You can see that from the quarterback position. There's some good young talent in Seattle, but they again strike me as one of those kind of five, six win rebuild type teams. And it becomes a straight Rams 49ers for the division. And I really only say that I'm picking the Rams for the division, but if Trey Lance hits the ground absolutely running and the offense works from day one, then San Francisco should push them all the way. That's just a big old if for a guy that, as we've talked about a lot, hasn't played a lot of football in the last two and a half years. Yeah, I think Cliff Kingsbury will be one of the early firings. Um, I just, I think the league has worked him out a long time ago and that's been obvious, you know, especially in his second half of the season performances where they just fall off a cliff because he can't coach. Um, uh, and his, he runs a high school scheme. Um, I think the Seahawks, Pete Carroll will probably be, this will probably be his last year. I think the Rams are a good team, uh, and obviously they're the defending Super Bowl champions, so they're, you know, they're clearly a great team. But I think, you know, you're playing 10 teams that went to the playoffs, uh, starting with the Bills. That's a hard old road. And I think you're right. If Trey Lance is, um, you know, above average or even average, you know, he's sort of, 15 and above in terms of his talent, in terms of quarterbacks, 1 to 32, then the 49ers can be primed to go all the way to the Super Bowl. But that's a massive if on a guy that only threw 219 passes in four years in college. Um, the the biggest uh, chicken in the hen house or fox in the hen house, chicken in the hen house, that makes no sense. Fox in the hen house would be the Jimmy Garoppolo. That's where the chickens are meant to be, mate. Yeah. From a business point of view, I think makes the whole world of sense because, you know, why wouldn't you? It's a business, you want to win games, and he has proven he's taken the team to a Super Bowl and to an NFC Championship game. Why wouldn't you do that? I think politically, putting him into the game if Trey Lance is struggling after week six and the 49ers are two and three, um, politically is a massive, massive thing that could blow up so hugely in the faces of John Lynch and Carl Shanahan to the point that it could be career in San Francisco defining slash ending if it goes badly. Now, they could look like geniuses if it goes really well, but it does completely usurp Lance as uh, you know a future possibility in San Francisco, I think. Because you know if he ends up, if he's two and three or two and four or three and six at some point and they put Jimmy in and Jimmy makes a, you know, wins seven of the last eight and they end up going to the playoffs, and then, you know, Jimmy goes on a run in the playoffs and they get to the NFC title game. At what point next season are you thinking that you're going to put Trey Lance back in that situation and get rid of the guy that's now taking you to back-to-back NFC title games and three out of the last four, three out of the NFC title games out of the last four years? That's just not going to happen. So I think tread carefully um, with the 49ers, but there's a lot of talent on that roster. I think it's stunning just that everyone has got immediately worst-case scenario with the idea of Jimmy Garoppolo coming back. Like, all of the doom mongers were out, scythes at the ready, sharpened, ready to go, when actually 
they saved themselves $16 million. They kept a very tradable asset for longer and will probably be able to trade him. And if they're not able to, because there's no other injuries, they'll get the compensatory pick for him, which is probably a higher pick than they would have gotten a trade for him anyway during this offseason. He's a very good locker room guy. He's worked well with Trey Lance already. Do you think if the Chiefs could have kept hold of Alex Smith for another year when they started Pat Mahomes and kept him there both as a high-end backup and as a guy to work with Patrick Mahomes in the as part of the quarterback room to keep learning with him when he'd been clearly such a great mentor to him, they wouldn't have kept him around. I think that's what this is comparable to. The only problem is that there was clearly a bit of a breakdown between the organisation and Jimmy Garoppolo over the trade because he went and got the shoulder surgery and that kind of screwed over when the trade was going to happen. Mm. But if they are politically aligned and he knows that this is his best opportunity to long-term find himself a starting job somewhere, it then comes down to Trey Lance's performance. And all those going, well, it's putting unnecessary pressure on Trey Lance. I'm sorry, I want a quarterback leading my organization who can handle that pressure. I don't want a quarterback coming in who's going to crumble if it just so happens that they've got the best backup in the NFL. Not a starter, the best backup in the NFL. If he crumbles under that, the biggest mistake is trading three first-round picks for him and going to get him in the first place because he clearly doesn't mentally have the fortitude that it takes. I'm definitely thinking best-case scenario when I'm saying, well, at least they've learned that lesson because I'll clearly be gutted and angry and annoyed they made those decisions. But it's not that I can't see it going any way but positive, but the negative to positive press has skewed 95% negative, where I think actually the move is 70% positive. And that's where I feel kind of a little bit hard done by by the whole thing. I still think because of the transition, it's going to take them a little while. And the Rams are very, 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 very good football team. I think they'll both be around, or I hope they'll both be around 10, 11 wins this year. I suspect the Rams will just nick it. But I think they both go to the playoffs. And in fact, who are your NFC wildcard teams, Simon Clancy? So my NFC wildcard teams are going to be the uh, Los Angeles Rams the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm just going to go out and say it, okay? The Detroit Lions. At some point, the Lions are going to be in the playoffs, right? At some point. So I may as well get on the train now and be the guy that everybody turns around at the end of the season and goes, oh, that's Simon Clancy fella from Gridiron. He said to the Detroit Lions. But there's a lot, of, there's, there's some talent there. They've got a really good offensive line. They can run the ball. I think Jared Goff has, you know, has been significantly better feels more comfortable in the offense. I think defensively, some really good pieces there. I think Hutchinson's going to be great. I think uh, Malcolm Rodriguez is going to play really well at linebacker. They've got, if Jeff Okuda can come back, I think they've got some pieces in the secondary. I think the Lions might win eight games, maybe sneak into the playoffs. See, I, I'm, I, I love it, but I'm just going very simple. Two per division, NFC West Rams and Niners, NFC South Bucks and Saints. NFC North Packers, NFC East Eagles, and then my seventh team will be the Dallas Cowboys, right. not the Vikings. So I've Dallas got Eagles, Cowboys. 49ers, Packers, and Saints to win the division. Buccaneers, Rams, I, and Lions. I, 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 like the, I like the Commanders. I think they're a good good team, and they'll probably will. You know, I think the Commanders could eke out the Cowboys. Um but uh, you know, Detroit's a good story. It's a feel-good story. I like Dan Campbell as a coach. I like their, their I like their offensive and defensive coaches. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, who doesn't like? Who wouldn't like to see the Detroit Lions in the playoffs? Love it. I would absolutely love it. Uh, all right, 
we didn't do enough silliness, so let's just do a few bit fun ones. Uh, Simon, I'll ask you for your rookies of the year. Uh, offensively, defensively, Sam Williams of Dallas Cowboys. Offensively, I'm going to go with Damian Pierce of the Texans. I like that. Damian Pierce, they're going to run the ball a hell of a lot, and yeah. he could easily have a 1,500 yard double digit touchdown season off the back of that. And that almost walks him into it. I do like Romeo Dobbs for it. I know he's had some drops in preseason, but 169 targets to replace in Green Bay with a multiple MVP quarterback. That feels like a good situation to be in to win an yeah, award absolutely. like that. And you're going to be on TV regularly and you're going to be, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be Jamar Chase this year, but he could easily have close to those numbers and then suddenly, you know, it becomes a... A walk on, uh, and uh, I'm going to make a 49ers homer pick for everything I do. So I'm going to say Sam Womack uh, is going to have eight interceptions and be unreal. I don't think that's actually true, but um, he has looked great out of the slot in preseason. Uh, who are your right? Let's let's do Super Bowl pick. Let's yeah. just get it out of the way. Pull the bandage off. I am going. I'm going to go with mine first. Ravens Ooh. will face. I've been picking the 49ers a load, but just kind of just to wind people up while I've been doing it, because I think Ravens Packers is my Super Bowl. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go Buffalo Green Bay. But, yeah. Buffalo feels like one of those ones where they're so well backed this year. Yeah. Uh, just such a tendency to fall over in the playoffs. I do like them. I, I did like Buffalo to go. Buffalo had been my pick a few times, but I don't know. Ravens just feel just feels right to me this year. Any big bold prediction? Anything you think? We've done a few throughout the podcast, but anyone you think absolutely falls off and stuns? I mean, you've picked the Lions to go yeah, to the mate, playoffs, so you've probably got it covered already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I, I, I mean... Cliff Kingsbury to be, to be gone by Thanksgiving. What will be gone, sorry? Cliff Kingsbury to be gone by Thanksgiving. I thought you said clicking. I was like, what's clicking? Is that some new NFL thing I've not heard <laughs> of in the off-season? Um, who do you think is going to be coach of the year? Oh, I haven't thought about that at all. Uh, Brandon Staley. Oh, my God, because, you're drunk. Because they pick it before they get to the Super Bowl and he's going to get to the AFC Championship game and lose. Mike McDaniel's going to be coaching. I'm so pumped about the Dolphins. I mean, I, I, I know this is a podcast for non-Dolphins fans to listen to, but I, I can't help myself, mate. I'm actually the thing pumped. is, I'm I'm that pumped about the 49ers right now. It could all fall apart in two games' time if it's if it's not great early doors. But the great thing you is, you do play the bet. Absolutely <laughs> spank the Patriots on Sunday, and I'm going to love every second of it. Uh, <laughs> televised game as well yeah. uh, so the whole nation will get to watch it happen we do start off with the Bears and then the Seahawks at home which to the to Trey Lance seven touchdowns one interception on Trey the road Jimmy. to the trade Jimmy G to the Lions who then takes them to the playoffs and fulfills Simon Clancy's dreams done yeah. easy uh, that's what our predictions for the season. Let us know yours at Gridiron Twitter, at UK Gridiron on, uh, on Instagram uh, and TikTok as well. I've seen we've had TikToks up as well, Michael. Excellent work from you, our social media producer. And 
an all-round top Broncos fan, uh, who did send me a lol when I mentioned the, where the Broncos were going to be this year. So I look forward to a tongue lashing after we get off the call. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. This is the show.